0: I will deliver to the Gambian people, and if I have to rule this country for one billion years, I will. That was Yahya Jameh. And for 22 years, Yahya Jameh's leadership defined the Gambia.
1: He ruled through four disputed elections, often with plenty of charm. But the threat of violence was never far away. He turned the Gambia into a police state.
0: Jameh came to power in 1994 and held on to it for two decades. But his leadership went well beyond sitting at the helm of this small West African nation. Outside the Gambia, he might be best known for his belief that he had the power to cure diseases, even the incurable ones. Yaya Jame has, he says, received a mandate to cure AIDS as long as it's on a Thursday, and he says he can cure asthma as long as it's on a Saturday. It's one of the many abuses that led to his downfall. He's not the president anymore, But he wants to come back, and he's got some support. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. And in case you're wondering, it's one of just two countries in the world where the article, The, is part of the country's official name. It comes from the Gambia River that runs through it. The country is a small sliver of land surrounded by Senegal. This is the story of a power struggle between two leaders of the Gambia. One who gained power in a coup, the other meant to be his antidote. The antidote is the current president, but these days, he's not looking so great to people either. But before we talk about the current situation, first, you really have to understand Yahya Jammeh. We spoke to our correspondent, Nicholas Huck, who's been covering West Africa for many years. I want to paint a picture of these two men in Gambian politics. Ya,ya, Jammeh, describe him for us. What should we know about him?
1: Oh, wow. He is an exuberant character, without a doubt. I'm not a
0: president that makes mis- mischief in the world.
1: Yaya Jame had so many titles. He would call himself professor, doctor, sir. He had a lot of titles for himself. He was always dressed in a white uh, robe. He was uh, outspoken. And although many people from abroad would kind of laugh or scoff at some of the things he would say, for people in the country, he was a scary man because... You know, human rights organization accused him of enforced disappearance, torture, and and murder. Those who accuse me of human rights violations,
0: <laughs> well, I leave them to the Almighty Allah. Allah will require.
1: It's said that he used to feed people who would speak out against him to crocodiles, or he would um, suffocate people using plastic bags. So, wow. you know the. The violence used under Yaya Jame is really something that has shocked Gambia for the last 22 years in which he was in power.
0: I've seen video of Jame. You know, it looks like he's in the role of a medical professional, but of course he is not a medical professional. And the man in this video that I'm referencing had HIV. What was going on there? What kinds of things were happening?
1: Well, Jame claimed to be able to cure HIV and AIDS. And probably one of the most gruesome crimes that I've come across so far was the experimentation that Yaya Jame, uh did on HIV and AIDS patients.
0: To his supporters, Jame is a well-intentioned miracle worker. To his critics, he's a megalomaniac.
1: Obviously, there is no cure for HIV and AIDS, certainly not at the time where he was experimenting on these human beings. And that patient that you saw Well, he died since. In fact, most of the people that were in the hands of Yaya Jameh died. They went unwillingly to him to get treatment. This had disastrous consequences on people. And I met this this woman who was outspoken uh, about HIV and AIDS, who went on television explaining to um, people about AIDS during that time.
0: Many people think that I'm going to die there, honestly because I was so weak, because I, what um, affected me was that I was not used to herbal
1: medicine. Her name is Fatu Jata, and she had to literally escape mm. from the hands of Jame.
0: Even if I see him mixing the medication, I start vomiting.
1: You could that, see Yaya Jame; he would mix the, yes, the medicine in front of you? Yes, when he
0: start mixing or pouring it in the cup, I start vomiting.
1: What did it taste like?
0: Very, very bitter.
1: This herbal medicine that Jami said would cure from HIV and AIDS. You knew that this was not true. It was not true,
0: definitely. But by then, you cannot say anything. You cannot just say it is not true. You cannot just say it. Fatu Jata is one of three survivors to sue the former president, seeking damages for suffering. Jame's experimentation on patience went on for years, they say from 2007 until 2016. That's when Jamey lost power. The leader who came to office in a military coup lost an election to a man named Adam Abero. And with only three presidents in the 70 years since the Gambia's independence from colonial rule, the man who assumes power next is a clear reaction to his predecessor. So, upon taking office, he promised to rule for only three years. And it was just under a plan that would help organize elections and kind of set the stage for a new leader at the end of that three years. So, what about Adama Barrow?
1: Well Adam Ibero, I mean, he really was someone that was plucked out of nowhere. I mean, a couple of years ago he was a security guard in, in a in a department store in, in London. And his rise to fame was through his, his election as the president, you know. And so he, you know, he, he comes from Gambia. He, he won a scholarship in high school and went to the capital in Banjul. He worked as a sales manager at a gas company and then traveled to London to study some more to set up his own company. Uh, he worked as a security guard and then he came back to, to Gambia, set up a few business ventures. Many Gambians recognize themselves in Adam Barrow's story, in his personal uh, struggle, in him being a security guard struggling as a student or trying to make ends meet and having to leave the country in order to do so because under Yahya Jammeh it was so difficult. So I think it, he resonated to a certain number of Gambians. <laughs> I mean, let's set the stage of how all of this happened, which was kind of a a crazy, crazy circumstances in which no one could have expected. In December 2016, there's a presidential election. And like all presidential elections in Gambia in the past, everybody thought that Jame would win with 99% of the votes. Except that after the election results came out, he conceded defeat, much to everybody's surprise.
0: I've already made it very clear. That I will never rule this country without your mandate since we started elections. And I will never cheat or dispute the elections.
1: And after conceding defeat, people came to the streets, rose, protested. People were happy. Just a few days later, he changed his mind saying, like, no, no, I'm not going to concede defeat. There was a problem in the election. Actually, I'm going to stay on to power.
0: I hereby reject the results in totality. Let me repeat I will not accept the results based on what has happened.
1: During this period of December, where there was kind of a really an an unknown whether Jamey was going to leave or not, Adam Mbara was exfiltrated out of Gambia into Senegal. And in fact, he was sworn into office at the Gambian embassy in Senegal. And we met him just after he was sworn in. I must take this opportunity to thank the entire electorate
0: of the Gambia and Gambians in the diaspora for making this day possible. While Barrow was inaugurated in Absintia in Senegal, West African forces were in the Gambia to ensure Jammeh stepped down. Because if he didn't, the fear was his presence would sow instability in the region.
1: And so then what happened was The West African forces entered the Gambia and they came in front of the presidential palace. And there's this very famous standoff where the Gambian uh, military are facing the Senegalese military. And suddenly the Gambian military start singing the national anthem. And then they let the West African forces come in. And then Jame is forced out of the country.
0: Yahya Jame and his family fled into exile to Equatorial Guinea. Ending 22 years in power and ushering in a new era. But the new presidency has not brought in the democratic utopia that people had hoped for. So, what have the past three years looked like under Barrow's uh, leadership?
1: Well, of course, the path to democracy is an uneasy road and it was paid with a lot of uncertainty because Barrow is, is a novice to, to politics. And suddenly he's in this position of having so much power and, and so much expectation from the people that carried him. There was a slogan at the time, which was Gambia has decided, which is that the Gambian people had decided over its own future. And so there was a lot of expectation in terms of freedom of press, uh, reform in the security sector, and also in the economy, hoping that the situation would be a lot better than under Yaya Jammeh. But of course, it, was, it wasn't that easy the, the, the last three years.
0: So right now, some of the current headlines about the Gambia are surrounding protests. Why are Gambians on the streets protesting?
1: Well, it's worth remembering that Protesting under Yaya Jammeh's time was impossible. So for many Gambians, the idea of going out on the streets is something new. And so like anything new, it's something that people want to try as much as possible. So since the return to democracy, as many would uh, qualify it in, in Gambia, there's been various types of protests. And the reason why we're seeing protests against Adam Abero is because three years ago, when he came to power... Um, he had made a promise to the people that elected him that he would stand down after three years and organize free and fair elections in which he would not take part in.
0: Adam Mabero pledged to use his short term to hold elections and transition into a democracy. But now he says he wants to stay in power and serve a full presidential term. That means two more
1: years. He's saying, and his government is saying that If he were to leave office now, that he would be in breach of the Constitution. The Constitution says that he has to stay in power for five years. So in order for him to be by the books, he needs to complete his time in office. That's the official line. But of course, in the meantime, he has created his own new political party called the National People Party. He has engaged people from the Jame side to join his, his political party. He started to dress like a, a. jame. So there's this fear that, that he may just want to stay on, in power as long as he can.
0: So Hope and Change, when he came in three years ago, and now there are protests in the street. Can you talk to us about some of the people who were part of those protests?
1: So, you know, we weren't allowed to cover these protests, much to our surprise, given that we had covered Gambia extensively, we were kind of surprised and shocked that they wouldn't allow us into the, into the country in order specifically to cover this specific event. So that was the first thing why that not? kind of surprised me. Of wh- course, wh- Why not? Well, they, we never got an answer to that. We never got an answer to that. Um, So the protest was supposed to happen on the 19th of January. Well, they gave us accreditation for the 26th of January. Then the protest moved to the 26th of January. (laughs) Then they moved our accreditation to the 28th of January. Intentionally making sure that we wouldn't be there during those protests. I think we were quite surprised that we weren't allowed in. Not only us, but the Gambians that had supported Adam Abero at the time.
0: The story is not often... The journalist, But in this case, you are part of the story in a way. You have faced criticism and almost targeted vitriol online, at least. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised that our coverage would get such blowback, most importantly, from people who had supported our coverage during uh, the election of 2016. And the undertones and the slurs and the use of language was really surprising. And it was most surprising by the information minister himself and the government. The way that they used Al Jazeera and me personally was shocking. So uh, I think this is the fallout, unfortunately, of something that's happening in the United States, it's a fallout of the Trump presidency. And this, mm-hmm. people might not think about it, but this has an indirect impact on other nations. So, you know, us being singled out as the fake news sounds familiar, no? It sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. that we're like CNN in in a Trump rally. And that's how it felt, mm-hmm. for me at least. Mm-hmm.
0: Though Nick's team was not allowed to cover the most recent protests, they relied on local journalists to document the story.
1: As soon as the protests started, before even they started chanting... Police fired tear gas and rubber bullets. And so people were stunned and shocked. And then the police started charging the people. And and you have this incredible scene in one of our stories where we're interviewing someone and suddenly Well, we voted
0: for President Barrow for three years. If he wants to click in, onto power, we will not go we are not going to accept that. So this is what prompted all this chaos here. And we will not relent, we are not going to retreat, and we will not subdue to the power of the, of, 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 of the presidency. <laughs> That's Musa, a Gambian protester. He's trailing off because he's running away. Police fired tear gas and rubber-coated bullets to disperse thousands like Musa, who were calling for President Adama Barrow to step down.
1: The level of violence used is something that people had not seen since uh, Yaya Jame's time. And so that really shocked people. People that had maybe not, you know, taken sides on this issue suddenly woke up to this. And, and not only that, I think the international communities, diplomats and people seeing this were also very surprised. And Adam Mabarro is is under pressure. He he's he's going to need to be held accountable one way or another. Uh, he arrested 137 people. Then he he set them free. There are still nine that are charged under treason, which are serious charges. These are the organizers, and these organizers are ordinary citizens. one of them is a lawyer. The other is has a, has a shop. I mean, these are people who are just going out there that supported Adam Mabarro in the first place, that really brought him to power, and now want to see him. Really hold his promise. As part of that promise, Barrow created the
0: Truth, Reconciliation, and Reparations Commission to investigate the trail of human rights violations Jame left behind. But while the commission was seen as a means for justice for Jame's victims, many, reeling from his rule, say they're still waiting.
1: Now, the issue with the Truth in Reconciliation Commission is that so far a lot of the people that have come and admitted to crimes have been freed, and so the victims feel they haven't been exonerated for the crimes that have been committed. The other issue is, what has come out, is that it's clearly a criminal enterprise. It's not about kind of healing two separate... Like bodies. It's not like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission that we had in South Africa or in other countries. The country wasn't divided. There was This was a criminal group, you know? It, it was the people in power around Yaya Jame that were perpetrating those crimes.
0: In some of the reports we're seeing, there are people in Gambia who want Jame back. Why do they want this? What are they asking for?
1: So there's there's the issue of of ethnicity, which is not really talked of. Okay, uh, Yaya Jame is Jola, which is an ethnic group in Gambia, a minority group in Gambia, and and the Jolas they feel like they're being discriminated against, and so they have grievances against against the current government. That's another failure of Adam Ibero, of of having failed to, to to unite this country and to. Um, you know, to, to tackle the grievances that there might be between various ethnic groups. And so that's why we saw so many people take to the streets a couple of weeks ago, beginning of January, these pro-supporters of Jame. And it came on the heels of a recording of Yahya Jame who, had, who was speaking to one of, his, um, le- uh, one of the political leaders of his political party, saying, you know, he wants to come back to the country. And of course, Malika, there are some people who don't like Yaya Jame who want to see him come back to the country but to face justice.
0: But Nick says it's unclear. Will Yahya Jame face justice under the government of Adam Barrow And can Barrow's government stay accountable to the people who voted him into power in the first place? That's the quandary that the Gambia is in, still caught between the present
1: and the past. It's unclear, though, politically, whether Adam Barrow and this government whether there will be justice at the end of this.
0: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Dina Kispe, with Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilvey, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Adana is our engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Nicholas Huck and Hugo Bohart.